Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, It'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz. As we kick off this hour, we call it the call, where we look at 10 stocks that... Uh, You've suggested we analyse. I put it to our expert panel, plus we throw in a stock of the day. Um, and uh, today's panel, one of my favourites, Gorad Sobi from uh, from Intelligent Investor is with us. Gorad, how are you? Hi, David. Hey, Major Thomas and Darren from Big Data Analytics, who always comes with his charts. There you go, Nathan, What have you got for us today? Well, in terms of I charts? mean, I think it's an interesting time because there's a fair amount of stimulus that's in the market. Yep. Just to know the context of how much and what's happening in the overall cycle. Right. Uh, the first chart we've got up there is the China social financing it's their stimulus play right. as you can see the red bars on the right hand side have been declining for the last couple of months right historically if you look at the blue line which is our resource sector mm. it usually takes a few months before yeah. the market realizes ah stimulus uh, is going away right. and it starts to decline decline now the interesting part is because unlike the rest of the world we're dominated by iron ore that's yep. that's the biggest play for the big boys so iron ore was the one China about two, three weeks ago started telling everyone these commodity prices are too high. We need to, uh, you know, they took out the stimulus to try and control it. It didn't. There was all pure speculation that was running it rampant. And they about two weeks ago actually stepped into the market to curb the steel market. And now they're taking charge of a fair amount of the commodity supply. So we've been down waiting miners. I mean, we started middle of last year. Yeah, you like them. Yeah, we still like them. But I think oh. in the shorter term, there's substantial risk and, the, you know, all, all said and done. Yes, there's battery tech, so forth, playing out in the longer term. Yeah. But in the shorter term, China is the main player. Yep. If they sneeze, we all run. Yep. Uh, so at this point, they are squeezing on the stimulus and they're tightening on standards. So I think there's going to be a fair amount of volatility. About two weeks ago, we took out the big miners and we've started taking out even the smaller ones where we like. like one of my favorites is IGO. Yep. I think it's the perfect diversified battery tech play. But even that, uh, we've taken profits on that because we so, think short term there's risk. So you have no miners in your portfolio at all? Except gold. Except gold? Except gold. So we got all the reflation trades, but we're staying out of the hard commodities. We've got food and we've got gold playing there, but okay. we've actually gone away from the miners in the mm. short term. Okay. The other chart we put up is the balance sheets of the central banks. Now, China is reducing stimulus. Yeah. And if you look at the red line, which is the US Fed, it's yeah. basically, if you can see the last bit in the last 12 months, it's averaging 120 billion a month, which is about one and a half trillion a year. Yep. That's the expansion that's going through. 
Now, Europe, the green line, is the other one that's going berserk, and they have to, at some point, have to curb that as well. They just can't right. keep doing this. Now, forget everyone else. It's the red line that matters. Now, the central banks have started to change their wording. That's going to come off. In the next six months, they will have to taper their QE. The QE, so think about the equilibrium the bond market is in. The US bond, bond yields are being maintained to not let it run too hot because there's 120 billion purchases every month. Yeah. You start cutting back in the current equilibrium without accommodating for the fact that inflation is actually rising, there's going to be a fair amount of pressure on bond yields. So I think the, inevitably they have to taper in the second half of this year yep. to prepare for the rate rises next year. So as that happens, bond yields are going to go even faster. So this is what the market is trying to we'll grab. Will go up even faster. Even faster. And that's so where going. do we sit in that? So what we do is by comparison, yeah, we just follow relevant. them. Yeah, very we, right. it doesn't really it. matter what. We yeah, do. what we do okay. doesn't actually matter. The only bond yield right now that matters is the U.S. Right. And so the U.S. balance sheet is what matters, and the Fed is at the moment at one and a half odd trillion a uh, year. Yeah. And that will start to be tapered, and historically, when they taper, the market who's used to so much cheap money will start to say, "Okay, we can't pay the multiples we used to pay." Right. So the the problem here is people get it confused with what you pay for a stock. The good stocks will always remain the good stocks. They just won't attract a high multiple that like they used to when you don't get as much cheap money. Right. Yeah. So that's what we have to deal with. So over the next six months, they're going to taper QE. The big high growth stocks, the multiples come off. Right. And that's so they where won't we won't do anything. Exactly. But the value stocks will come into their own. Well, when you look at the rotation, you, you're going to see multiple reductions. So the high growth stocks will see some selling pressure. And when that happens, the money has to rotate mm -hmm. somewhere. And that's when the value stocks come through. Look, I, I don't make big predictions like Nathan does. I don't have the data skills um, or the data sets. Um, what Nathan says makes sense to me. It's an uh, appealing narrative, but um, <clears throat> it probably doesn't influence the way we would right. invest. Um, look, there, there are some things I do agree with, but I think we've been saying it every week we've been on, but there yep. is excessive uh, risk-taking behavior in the market, and you can see it everywhere. And every time you see this, I think it's upon you to rein in your own risk appetite and just be a bit more careful. I'm certainly not suggesting we sell and go to cash or even lift your cash weddings. We haven't done that. But we're just being a bit more careful about accepting risk, knowing that right. very few people are pricing risk correctly. Uh, it's all the more important that we do. Um, you know, people at my gym who have never bought a stock are all trading cryptos. Mm. The guys in my <laughs> office are telling me all their kids are trading cryptos. Yep. There is some really wild behavior going on. Yeah. Um, and it's not just in crypto. That's probably the epicenter of it. Yeah. Uh, there's a, still a whole bunch of tech stocks which are being priced with, with silly notions in mind. Yeah. Um, it's hard to find a software business that doesn't trade at 10 times revenue. Yeah. And they, are, they aren't all going to be um, Facebooks <laughs> and Googles, you know. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, um, <clears throat> well, yeah, I have that at Channel 7 every young... Yep. Lighting guy, stagehanders, and cryptos. I go, okay, what are they? How are they made? What's the investment case? Yeah, so yeah. It, it's interesting. The guys, yeah. there are a certain level, the early adopters, they understand the fundamentals of what it is. Yeah. And there is a whole concept of the whole <clears throat> financial infrastructure getting into trouble, like what is happening now, and that could benefit them. And yeah. I understand all that. But I think the guys who are coming into the market in the last six to 12 months are there because of the simple nature of FOMO. 
something is flying yeah. faster than everything else, I'm betting on that horse. So the momentum right. trade has come they've into it. They've switched from the Bet 360. And they've been right. Now, the, the, yep. the trick with this is it's the psychology of investing. I mean, it's like saying uh, blue sky investment. You know, everyone said it's a short at $1. It went to $10. So the guy who held it to $10 and then even took the fall to $8 and sold out did a hell of a lot better. So is Bitcoin a bad investment? It's still not bad if you got in early. Yeah. So the question being is, when do you get out and when do you see the cycles? And at the moment, there is inevitably these guys were going to go through regulatory yeah. issues and that was going to settle down for the next equilibrium. So, you know, but if you got in early... That's yeah. not investing. Yeah, you still well, don't have clarity. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think people get really precious about investing in speculation. I, I'm happy to take speculation. I think it's a legitimate form of yep. investing, mm. but it's something very particular. It's when you make an assessment of the odds. Yeah. Um, you know what the probability. You know, you have some idea what the probabilities are, and you're speculating because the odds are against you. Yeah. But you know the payoff structure is probably really attractive. So if you're right, you're going to make a lot of money, most likely you're going to be wrong. That's fine. That's speculation. Right. You can do that intelligently. You can make money doing that. Yeah. We've made money doing that. Yeah. What's happening now is just is not even speculation. It's rampant stupidity. It's people buying things because they're rising, trying to um, anticipate what will rise ahead of time. This yeah. is just chasing prices higher and higher. And that's not even speculating. Speculating right. is a fine art and I'll defend it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but this is just stupidity. And, yeah, yeah. and when you see this sort of behavior across the market, it's just a sign, just to be cautious. Yeah. Uh, I think the early guys had a thematic. I don't know if the guys who are coming in in the last six months really understand the thematic. No, no, no. And I've, I always have some, have some pretty simple questions. Do I understand what it does? Yep. Not really. <laughs> uh, do I understand how it's produced? Not really. Supercomputer solving algorithms. Yeah, that sounds terrific, but what does that mean? Um, and do I trust the people behind it? I have no idea. <laughs> Pretty simple one. All right, let's get into uh, more stocks. conventional stocks. Uh, apart from uh, your 10 stocks, we do a stock of the day. thought we'd take a look at Aristocrat Leisure. Half-year numbers, profit sliding, 73.5%. Revenue also dented down 1%. Shareholders, though, will still get an interim dividend of $0.15 cents per share. Uh, this is the company plans for strong growth over the full year to September 30, despite saying it expects uncertain and volatile conditions to continue near term. Uh, Gorab, what do you reckon of the aristocrat announcement and the stock itself? Yeah, it's, it's performing reasonably well. Um, I haven't had a good look at this particular announcement, but we're very familiar with aristocrat. And it's yeah. because we've had this role for so long. We actually bought Aristocrat under two dollars. Had to wow. buy on it under two dollars way back, and um, I think we did really well on the initial analysis. We we sold it for seven odd dollars and um, made people money, and everyone was happy. Right. What happened was the business actually changed, and we completely missed the change of the business. And right. um, it's been a difficult one for us to jump back on. You know, when something changes, you you, you almost need a fresh set of eyes to look mm -hmm. at it, and. Yeah. That's when experience starts to become a burden. <laughs> we always think it's a good thing yep. to, to see something for a long time and to truly understand it. But then when that thing changes and you understand the old thing, yep. it's really difficult to change your mind and to accept what, what Aristocrat right. has morphed into. So the big change from Aristocrat, instead of making revenue per cabinet um, and per game, it started to collect a clip of the total revenues going through the machines. Very important change. Mm, yeah. We completely missed that change. And it happened quietly through an acquisition. It's not as though they, they released a big strategy upgrade and told everyone. It happened through an acquisition and that part of the business got larger and larger. 
and since then it's changed changed again into online gaming and again we just haven't haven't um, caught this one uh, we've completely missed it um, it's it is a fine business I'm it, it's historically been a lot more cyclical and a lot more hits and misses in, in the results the fact that the business model has changed shows you that that this is actually a very resilient business now yeah. and and it's it should be on everyone's watch list as one to continue to monitor I still think it's mildly expensive but I don't think it's crazy I, I still think you can you can buy this sensibly yeah. and and make okay returns from it I we are seeing other opportunities around so our, our money is there but but this is still okay for me okay Nice. Yeah, look, I mean, for us, it's it's actually one of the top 10 businesses. Um, it still yeah, is. Okay. It still is. I mean, mm. we've had a few rotate out and we don't make changes into the top 100 model too, too many times. And Aristocrat's been one of those ones where um, it, it's the classic uh, Ainsworth was Aristocrat. <laughs> you know, I always use that as an example. It just shows you how good they've been. Yeah. The industry went through oh, about five, six years ago, uh, went through a consolidation phase, mm. got down to about four or five. And these guys are just big and global yeah. and they're in the right place and they execute really well mm. um look would i be going out of buying it today probably not you probably yeah. will get it cheaper in the next month mm. uh, but look it's one where we hold we don't we're not getting out uh we're happy with what they're doing the numbers wasn't any real surprise they were already guided to it um you know we always knew lockdown will have an effect but the model is what it is so buy a pullback Exactly. It's, it's it's just a high quality business. It's just right. a bloody high quality business. And yeah. it's one, it's up there with Ansel for me. They've evolved into a model mm. that you should be backing. Mm. Okay. All right. So Ansel and Aristocrat are yeah. two no-brainers. Yeah. yeah. You buy yeah. them on a pullback and, you know, unless something dramatically changes, I think they'll do quite well okay. in the next five to ten. We should, right. we should do that one day. The best, you know, the top three businesses on the ASX or something. Yeah. Ooh. We'd have a big, a big old row about that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you'd have to you fight among oneself. <laughs> There's so many. I mean, it's like saying CSL, yeah. right? You know. All right. All right. Next time you both on, we'll do that. Mm. Um, all right. Let's get into the stocks that uh, mm. you want us to take a look at. John, um, Maitham wants a view on BHP. Yes. Well, classic. You're out. <laughs> so we, Sell. yeah, we we got out a couple of a couple of weeks ago, um, yeah. and mainly because um, if you look at the numbers. The over 200 just didn't make sense, yeah. why not? Um, copper, you know, where it is, or the yeah. highs, uh, doesn't make sense. So a lot of commodities have gone really high. The, the thing that you have to remember is, if commodities are going to stay where they are, the economies can't hold up where they are. So yeah. something has to give. Yeah. So the most likely scenario there would be the governments will move to curb demand and that'll hit the commodities. Yeah. Uh, which is what we started to see signals from China, and that's hence why we took uh, our risk mitigation way of getting out of those. Now. I think BHP is a great business. I think it's, again, it's probably, in, it was was in our top uh, 10 out of 100, uh, but we took profit as with everything, you know, there's a price for everything. Um, and the market gets too excited when these things happen um, and they've paid too much for it. So we got out, it's come back. I think it's down 10% probably from the peak. Yeah. Uh, but look, I think there's more downside risk. I think there's a certain level of new equilibrium that China needs to find to control. That, and they, I love the wording they use, stable commodities. Nobody knows what that means, but I just know it's going lower. So in that context, you're not going to get the speculative pop. So I think in the shorter term, oil's done well, copper's done well, iron ore's done well. I can't see them doing even better. Mm. So I'd say, give it a bit of time. It'll come back. So will BHP give you another option. Okay. In a reflationary world, I think BHP is it's the one that you pick when you don't know what to do. Oh. But even for that, it's priced in a fair bit. So that's why we got okay. it. 
Well, we certainly agree that BHP has morphed into a first-class business. And, yeah. and I do think analysts now appreciate this. We've been saying this for years, that BHP is not the cyclical pig it used to be. It's actually become a, a decent quality business. And again, we've said that for years, but over the last 30, 40 years, BHP has never made an operating loss. All its mistakes have been mistakes of capital allocation. So once they corrected those mistakes and they've, they've instituted like a rigid formal capital allocation model, um, they talk about so it all the time. So they bought something that was a dud. They, well, every time they found themselves with excess cash flow, right. they went and, and, and bought, bought a dud. Bought yeah. A dud. Yeah. yeah, And they did that for, for decades. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and shareholders were burned by that. Uh, but the actual operating assets themselves have made money over all sorts of cycles, over all sorts of crises. So we had a business here with excellent underlying assets and really lousy management, really. Um, and that's now that's been fixed for many years now. And, and we've, you know, we're trying to, to point this out to people. I think the market is now, um, uh, for several, maybe for the last year or two, has accept, accepted that. You can see that in, in the share price. Um, yeah, they always talk about their capital allocation model. It's a big part of BHP. And it's been replicated now across the industry as well. So big tick on the quality front. Um, I actually think there's more to come from BHP. When you look across the asset base, iron ore, yes, I do not understand iron ore at $200. The long-term yeah. average is really about $50, $60. Yeah. People who are saying, oh, it's going to pull back to $100, $150, no, this will go back to $50, $60 at some stage. But even then, BHP makes maybe 15% return on assets, 20% return on assets. But on is that, isn't that business. priced in? I don't think it is. If you chuck in spot prices on BHP, you end up with $70, $80. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the, 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 I think the logical one is everyone assumes that what's happening in Bali and Brazil is going to last a lot longer. It's, it's been a problem for longer than what most of us expect. Yes, right? it has. But eventually, <coughs> there'll be some normalization. Yeah. There. Yeah. Even the optimistic guys think about 120, 150. No. Right. And I, I agree. And <laughs> yeah. the pessimists Half have it that. at yeah, the pessimists have it <laughs> yeah. 50 to 70, right? Yeah. So if you think about it logically, somewhere between those two, sure. they're about 100, right? Yeah. At 100, BHP should not be trading where it is. I disagree. I think BHP is trading for about a hundred dollar iron ore. Oh, the rest I of the the rest of the portfolio. Um, so you've got copper. Copper yeah. has recently popped, and and you'll see those numbers. This the next result is going to be an absolute bonanza, and um, the share price doesn't quite reflect it. The amount yeah. of cash coming on there is going to be unprecedented. But you've got coke and coal, which is making zero return, probably making losses at this point. Petroleum probably making single digit returns. Olympic Dam, maybe the world's second most profitable ore body, making losses. Potash, not making, yeah. as making zero return. You've got maybe a third of the BHP portfolio contributing zero to its profit. And all of those are very high quality assets. There will yeah. be a, a point where those will come off and these, some of these will recover. Yeah. And you'll get that. So again, I, I don't disagree that in the medium to long term, I think BHP does well. But would I be going out and buying it today? Because I think you'll probably get it cheaper. So that's the only reason I say where sure. things are. I think it's the I think it's the single largest holding in our growth portfolio at the moment. BHP. I think I got that right. right. Should check these things before I get on. <laughs> but it's one or two. It's one or two. Shall you anyway. be buying um, these prices? Look, I'm I'm a hold. Right. Yeah. You, you, okay. you, it's hard to buy a cyclical business like this when iron ore is yeah. two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that this is not one to rush out and sell, no, even though it's no, at it's no. at near record highs. Okay. Yeah. All right. But you did. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I did. I did because um, in the context of the model, yeah. um, when you have that much priced in, they don't. But trade you trade. 
That's yeah, depending on the portfolio, some out. of them will go in yeah. and out. And we still like the miners. We yeah. just think over the next two to three months, you probably not get them cheaper. All right. Uh, okay, still sticking. Uh, where first three stocks are all resource oh, stocks, yeah, so okay. it'd be interesting today. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Gaurav um, Cooper wants a view on Rex uh, Minerals. Mm. Uh, seems to be the headlines all the time. Wanted to get an understanding of whether a small cap miner like Rex which has most mining approvals complete, just waiting for financing, might be a good stock to invest in in order to gain exposure to this thematic Ryan, rather saying that. Um, they're in... Um, South Australia. Yeah. And, and, and I think in, in the USA, USA as well. Yeah. In Nevada as well. Yeah, so these guys have been around for a long time and they've got a pretty good technical team. Yeah. Uh, they've been associated with a couple of projects um, and they've always looked good. So they've got two large projects and one small, I think it's a gold project. The two yep. big copper ones, they're the ones that garnered have most have garnered most attention. And geologically, they look extremely interesting. But for me, this is not this is a business that's been around for what, 12 years? And it's not in production yet. If if honestly, if a if an explorer can't get into production within six, seven years. Yeah. It just gets struck off the They're list. Right. Yeah, I mean, you look at look at the great ones: um, Sandfire, Oz Minerals, yeah. um, IGO. Putting uh, Sandfire in the great ones? Oh, well, the, the ones that have actually made it. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they made a great discovery. The yeah, Brusa was a really good discovery. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Ob- yeah, obviously yeah. the market is saying, oh, well, oh it's it's look, it's a problem that's, that's copper. N- that's not oh, irrational yeah. because yeah. the price of copper Probably has gone right. berserk. So yeah. that probably should happen. Yeah. Uh, when you have uh, and the projects are quite reasonable actually. But the hard part in, in copper projects, especially in South Australia, which is very mining friendly and in the US mining friendly, it's not the permits. It, and it's not even in the, in the in this market, you'll get financing. Yeah, yeah. It's the actual um, metallurgy, the processing, the offtakes. You, you produce a concentrate, you have, to off, you have to get a partner to take that. Um, and it's hard mining. These guys have never mined before. Okay. It's much harder than you think it is. Look, if it's, it's a fine yeah. stock for trading copper prices, but we... Actually, no, we don't have great copper businesses in Australia. Um, Sandfire and Oz Minerals are actually good copper producers. If you're okay. desperately wanting to buy something to do with copper, there's your there's very stocks. Do yeah. those instead. Yeah, <laughs> uh, look, um, I, the shop that I used to work for um, was doing the corporate work for Briggs right. back in the day. And okay. we're talking, geez, seven, eight years, ten yeah. years ago. Mm. Uh, this is a up and coming copper stock. Every year. Every year. Um, yeah, I've heard that too. Um, there are conferences all the time. Exactly. Um, it, it's yeah. a, in South Australia, it just mm. gets thrown around. That's why I actually, when I saw the name, I went, oh, I've looked at that for years. <laughs> yes, um, and I go, it's still looking like something for years. Uh, it's like a biotech. You know, you look at it and go, oh, it's going to get somewhere. It will at some point. But the problem is you just don't know. And Graf's yeah. right. If you can't get funding for a copper project right now, you just shoot yourself. I mean, you just, <laughs> yeah. come on. It's, it's yeah. just everything, right? Mm. Osmineur is by far the best. Mm. hands down but it's always been the best and people pay the premium it's, it's a bit like aristocrat in yeah. the copper space um and look i think i think it's a great business gun sandfire has had a few operational issues the other one people jump into is metal x and then they sold out their copper project and that's yeah um, that was a tough project that, yeah that was yeah. a tough one uh, well you know they bought it off the indians that's right and they stuffed it up they, they thought they got a good deal i was yeah. like yeah mm, maybe, no, maybe not maybe not uh and it didn't um, so in that context, you don't really have a lot of choices. Okay. No, it is hard. Isn't it? And yeah. so it's people are speculating, but this is one thing I have learned. It's a bit like biotechs. Um, when they are trying to build the mine, mm. don't be there. Mm. Right. 
because you fund that. other people's mistakes. Yes. It's like having teenage kids. You know, it's a it's a depreciating asset that just kills your balance sheet, right? And you're going to be funding this and they will be issuing JS while they do this. You are there when they punch a hole and find random things. Right. And then you get out and you wait for them to stuff it up. And when they just before they start to produce, you go back there. Right? The price could be a million dollars a pound. It doesn't matter uh, because this is never going to get there in time to actually get benefit out of it. So the timing of when they get to actually producing copper is when you have to look at the commodity price. Right. Okay. So people get excited about that and pricing something that's underground. But you so know, time, time you run. Exactly. Buy, when commodity prices are shooting the lights out, buy producers that have, like if you want to go a bit more um, specky, you buy producers which have holdings in other explorers. So you get the value of the producer at the same time you get a bit of the yeah, buy. Uh, yeah, don't, don't go to pure explorers because when it stops, you get killed. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that suggestion, uh, Ryan. Now, Sam wants a view on uh, South 32. I'll, I'll let him start on this one. So, <laughs> South 32, another big, uh, this is the base metal business of BHP, mm. which they couldn't make any money out of, floated it off and uh, management went with it and have been... Stars. The good reasons to float it at the time. At the yep. time, South 32, well, the assets that made up South 32 contributed 3% of BHP's profit, yep. and they were complicated assets. Um, they were a, a mixed bag of things, and it made sense for BHP to shove them off. I think those were very good. That's probably the beginnings of BHP as a good quality business, oh, was just okay. shoving that off, concentrating on a few commodity groups and doing that very well. We actually bought at the uh, at the IPO. I think we were the only people buying because like everyone hated this stock. Yes, and we a, watched it. It was a bad half. BHP. <laughs> it was it was bad BHP. They yeah. called it Crapco. Yeah. Um, we so we we bought this at two bucks and watched it halve. I still buying. I personally bought um, at ninety cents. I was still wow. buying, and um, and we sold this uh, almost four dollars years years later. Right. Um, and it's time we recently got back into it again. Um, mm. around the $2 mark, and I still think it looks reasonably attractive today. Right. The attraction of South 32, unlike BHP, they don't have tier one, you know, top tier assets. You're not really dealing with that. I mean, they're good enough. They're fine. I think over time, you'll make above average returns on assets, and, and it should trade at a healthy premium to um, asset value. Um, but you've got great management here who have from day one have allocated capital really, really well. I've got some really interesting new projects that will contribute to the future. Mm. And, um, and they're, they're under-earning. The actual uh, returns on their, um, on their assets um, aren't really where they can be um, over the course of the cycle. That's because they're mostly in aluminium, alumina, which is not really fired. So I still think there's latent profitability uh, to be had here. And you, just, you can trust the management when that profitability comes, they will spend that cash wisely. They'll mm. give it as dividends and they'll buy something sensible. Um, and that's the attraction. You can actually buy this rather large miner and then sleep okay. soundly at night time. It's still a buy for me. I think it's still okay. Yep. Whoa. Uh, I'm on the other side there. Um, <laughs> look, I think it's a great business. Um, yeah. We got in similarly, actually, um, sub two. Uh, yeah, sub we, were two. On, we were a hive mind on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've changed now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it got to three bucks. So mm. We made 50%. It's actually a lot more than I'd poured. Mm. Um, now, the, the macro trade for me is the commodity uncertainty that's playing out. This is on the macro side of things, it's one of the big miners. I mean, it's, it's great. It's got a lot of commodities. It's much more diversified than most of the others outside the big boys. And it's, the, it's actually done really well. Valuation wasn't as cheap 
uh, on a relative basis, we look at everything relative. Mm -hmm. Relativity history got a bit expensive uh, and markets, some of the commodities have started to roll over already. So the risk was starting to rise. And so on the macro trade, we took out all the big miners and South 30B was part, part of that. So we took that out a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago. So we got something, I think we had three bucks. Uh, we're quite happy with that. Um, we, this also trades because of the macro trade, the dominant players in a lot of the miners are global guys. It's a bit like banks. Mm -hmm. So we are, you know, we've had nine weeks where not a single day turnover has been over 9 billion. So the local guys are not doing a lot. It's predominantly run by the global guys. So when things turn, especially macro trades, global guys will hammer it hard. Right. And there's not a lot of support from the big fundies on a local market. They're all doing it on the edges. They're not really buying enough bulk. So that's why for me, the macro risk was elevated. So that's why we took out the big miners because when they sell out of resources, all of these are going to get hit. So yeah. South 30 for me in the shorter term, it's on a trading strategy. Uh, we took profit, but I think it's a, again, it's a reflation trade in a month or so two, depending on where the numbers stack up we'll probably go back into that and BHP. Okay. It's, it's quickly worth noting that they sold their thermal coal business in yes, South Africa, which was an anchor because they had huge um, uh, restoration liabilities. Right, yeah. um, so they've removed those liabilities and they should free up $100, $200 million of capital. I think you, you'll see the, more These guys manage their, like for a really bad, well, yeah. crappy business. They're not a great miner. Yeah. Yeah. This is not, they don't have good assets, but <laughs> they manage their balance sheet. It was the same manager, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just what they, they were well, let loose well, one of out the, of the sort of BHP umbrella. That's right. Um, one of the things an old mentor of mine always used to say was look for the frustrated CEO who then leaves and gets his chance to be boss. That's right. Graham Kerr. Graham Kerr was, I think, CFO right. of BHP, tried a few times to get the top job and then was unleashed as CEO of um, South 32 and he's been superb. It, it's right. phenomenally mm. well managed. It's, it yeah. reminds me of, I always use this example, but it reminds you of the New Zealand cricket team. They're not, they shouldn't be good, but they're always good. They don't have the talent base, but they churn out okay. gun players. So it's like, Before we lose half our audience. So both of you like it, it's just in the timing at the moment. You think it's a reasonable I, I buy now. You're saying yeah. wait for a month or two. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ryan wants a view, mate, on, on Novanix. Uh, Ryan says, I'd like some advice on technology, hardware, equipment company. And Novanix in relation to their technologies relating to future electric vehicle industries. There we go again, EVs. Yeah. Uh, looking for Australian alternatives to Tesla. Maybe other such companies in this space that you'd recommend instead. Yeah, look, I mean, it's not a new thematic. Everyone knows uh, this has had a pretty decent run. It's coming yeah. off the heat. It's a battery um, maker, but also it's saying that it's looking <clears throat> to list in the US too on, yeah. on the NASDAQ, which yeah. is not it's, everyone look, excited. Yeah, I mean, doesn't everyone, uh, yep. including after that, <laughs> but will they do it? I don't think so. Uh, with these guys, I think they're in the right space. The solution is never going to be one particular strategy. Yeah. Uh, it'll be like battery. There'll be multiple batteries that'll play out and everyone will, there'll be a basket of solutions. So look, I, I think it's an interesting one. I, I think it looks like from what I've read and I didn't know this stock. So again, another one yeah. that I've learned about. Looks interesting, uh, but markets got excited uh, paying a fair bit and it's come off. Um, again, it's, it's one where I think you're playing the long game. So it could be one of those small holdings that you put in for the, for the play and see how that thematic plays out. Um, I like it. it. I think it looks interesting enough, but uh, it's it, it's going to take time before it proves itself. I think mean, the, the overall, overall electric cars, the EV battery technology play, I think it's going to take a bit of time. There's, everyone thinks that, you know, five to 10 years out demand is going to be done now. It's not going to be done now. It's yeah. like uh, we've been through enough graphite cycles. We've been through enough lithium cycles. We know how this works. Everyone yeah. gets excited. 
then they don't get excited and then they get excited again so it'll take i think you've still got a few years before things stabilize and you get a steady market so you've got time all right yeah we're going to disagree again this is um exactly the example of what we're talking about at the top of the show this is a stock to avoid and with the capital letters across all of it um, I don't even understand what this business does. I challenge um, an investor to look through their reports and their presentations and explain succinctly exactly what the revenue model is here. Yeah. I don't even think management know. I mean, they claim to have all, to have all these big names as customers. They've got other companies' logos across their presentations and they have zero revenue. Right. I don't think you need to know it, anything It's early stage. That. It's very early stage. They're giving thematics, <clears throat> right? Yeah. And this is the thing. That's yeah. why what worries me about this is everyone knows this thematic, everyone knows about but electric that's, cars. That's the worst yeah. way to invest is yeah. to pick a thematic that you in your, you know, everyone thinks they're a genius, right? Like yeah. you, you, you see in some trend you think is going to take off. You pick a thematic, a stock but, to fit that thematic. That's the, okay? the, the worst the way to invest. The thing to pick a thematic mm-hmm. is, the trick is to pick it when nobody wants to pick it. Right. Don't yeah. pick a thematic when everyone knows That's about it. There are two tricks, right? You got, you got to, against the herd, yeah. though. You, you got to pick something that other people haven't seen and you have to be right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the risk of being wrong, like mm. when you're beaten up to nothing, yeah. the risk of being wrong is limited. The yeah. biggest risk is they've got to raise money and money and dilute <clears> you, right? But when you go into this, the risk is massive because there's a fair amount of hot money already there. Yep, absolutely. All right. Next stop, Cam wants a view, uh, Gaurav, on Infratil, a sort of a mm. New, New Zealand-based listed infrastructure business. Yeah, so, we know it well. We own it. <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Yep, yeah. and I credit Ausbiz for bringing it to my attention because it was coming on this show um, and learning about it, and we went off and recommended it and bought it for our funds. Right. It's currently holding in several of our funds. I own it personally, I should add. Um, I, I think it's a really uh, interesting business. I'm surprised it doesn't get more attention. But it, it is a private equity firm, really. It, it's yeah. an asset manager that goes in and out of different um, uh, investments. It typically it buys... a bit of a Macquarie type oh, thing. It is certainly. That's, that's <laughs> exactly what we're going to do. Or West Farmers. So what they do is they go off and buy stakes in other companies and they often make... And we're not just talking about... Five, they, they buy big 50-60% stakes in other businesses. They make improvements to those businesses and then monetize them through... Um, IPOs or sales or trade for trade yeah. sales. Um, and they've done this for about 20 years. They've made about 16% annualized returns. So they've got a great track record. They have a process that seems to work. And when you look at the current collection of assets, it is outstanding. Yeah. Headlined by CDC, which is the old camera data center business. These guys bought that business for, I think, $800 million. I think it's worth like $5 billion. Wow. Um, and it's on track. It's, it's currently the largest data center business in Australia. It's on track to probably triple its output over the next five years or so. They have the land. Um, they're building it all out now. They've got the customers and they've got the funding. So okay. I would not bet against this. Um, what people probably don't realize about CDC is that it is a monopoly. Because they have such a, a huge market share in government, if you want to deal with government, you have to be in a CDC so data center. it's better than NextDC? It's a different model to NextDC. Right. NextDC okay. is a... Um, kind of a neutral open house where everyone sort of comes in together. Yeah. Um, CDC is for governments. Right. And if you want to deal with governments, you have to have your servers inside CDC centers. CDC, right. So about, um, I think I saw about about a third of their revenue now comes from non-government, um, ah. non-government con- uh, contracts. But they're all suppliers. And they're all suppliers to government. Right. Uh, that okay. was only going to increase. So it's had a big run up. Um, still value. I still think, I still think um, it's about $10 a share in value here. Wow. There was a takeover Jeez. offer at over $7. Um, and that's only one asset, right? Uh, there are, we won't go into all yeah. the assets, but there are plenty okay. of ways to make money here. Um, look, we share the same concept of it, but I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> right. um, 
it's we've taken out of i mean the ones i consider as listed private equity players west farmers goodman group macquarie and infrastructure yeah. right really smart start with it's new zealand so you know straight away tick yeah, I love my New Zealand. Um, Except and, the cricket team. Uh, it's, it's better than the cricket team. It's better they're than the cricket team. Uh, Bestie in the old one. Exactly. Yeah. It's Canon, uh, you know, I forgot the surname. Um, but it, these guys, look, they buy assets that, because they test market in New Zealand, they build little things in yeah. technology. And these guys, when they're finished with it, these guys go and buy the asset, grow it up, and then float it. So they've done really well. I don't have an issue with it. I think the market grapples to understand it because yeah, they move so into too. different, different areas. Yeah. The analyst who potentially could cover it doesn't have the experience. And the accounting is all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's totally different. Because it's industry. an investment company. So I'm not yeah. buying it right now. I've actually, our models have come out of Macquarie, out of West yeah. Farmers, out of oh, Goodman, so out of all of them. What do you uh, win, Nathan? Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> we'll get because there. Because I think it's an interesting time in the market. Mm. So all of these are priced for what they are. Uh-huh. And they're not going to do anything in the short term because asset prices are too high. They don't buy expensive assets. Yeah. So they're not going to do anything. You're not going to get an upgrade, but they're great. So you wait for a cheaper price. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, first five stocks and stock of the day, which is Aristocrat. Um, a yes from Gaurav and Matum, but on a pullback, not at these uh, prices. BHP, a hold from Gaurav and no from Matum because he's out of all miners at the moment. Um, Rex, uh, Minerals, no. Both the guys say uh, Mineral Resources and Sampira. Better exposure to copper. Uh, South 32, a yes from uh, from Gaurav, a no from Nathan. Novanix, a no from both, um, with a no in capital letters from uh, from Gaurav. Um, and Infratil, a yes from Gaurav, a no from Nathan at these prices. Uh, since the 1st of July, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Uh, any stocks that get two yeses from our expert panel go into the portfolio. If they come up again, even if it's in front of a different panel, they go out. Uh, let's see how it's performing for the week, up almost 2%, down almost 2% for the month, up 28.5% since the 1st of July. Some of the stocks added. Here come the sound effects. Ooh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Abacus Property Group. Oh, All right. Universal Store. Yeah, Universal yeah, Store. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Nanosonics. Yeah. NetWealth. Yeah, I think it's being yeah. NetWealth. Yeah. Uh, it's priced Jan- in. Janice Henderson. Yeah, their Smart purchase Group. is good. Smart uh, Group. Some yeah. of the stocks out. AUB, City Chic, and Atomos. I'd, good. I like. I'd have AUB. No, I think... There's a fair amount into mm. that. I think it's a, it's a crowded trade. <laughs> all right. <laughs> if you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbito.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, quick programming note, DGL Group has just launched uh, on the exchange following a $100 million raise to take us through its first mm. day of trade. Chief Executive Simon Henry is on. Uh, he's on at one forty-five Eastern this afternoon. All right, Dickadata, Nathan uh, Martin wants a view on that. The uh, technology group, basically founder. Yeah. Founder-led. Oh look, it's. I think about ten years ago. I think I first found this. And I went, "This is a tech stock based dividends." And what the hell? <laughs> and I looked at it. I said, "What do they do?" And and it's amazing how well it's run. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a really really yeah. good business. Yeah. Um, I think of it as a the closest match is for me is someone like a Ripe um, yeah. that sells uh, Microsoft licenses and yeah. a bit like that. These guys do hardware as well. I look, they sell a, hardware to big corporates. Yeah, didn't they? And during and, lockdown, they sold a heap. Yeah. As everyone said, set up at home, 
exactly. or buy your screen for you and your yeah. computer look, to put it home. You know, it's it's a really well-run business. Is illiquid. That's the yeah. problem for most of the fund managers. If you get in, you can't get out. But you know, if you if you want to back a management who's executed for a number of years, yeah. this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's as illiquid as it is. They can be because they're good, yeah. uh, and you can back them. And you know, I, I, I struggle on my models to go into it because of the liquidity because you yeah. get stuck. But look. It's a really, really well-run business. It's hard to see the bad side. It never trades cheap. And so you're probably never going, if there is a panic and so, you know, people throw stuff out and tech gets bashed up, yeah. just buy this thing. Okay. That's All what right. you want to buy. Not at these prices. Yeah, I just struggle. It's a psychological okay. problem. Yeah, I credit Dicker Data with a lot of learnings for me. Um, this was the first business that I kind of looked at where I laughed at the economics of the business, thinking this is a lousy business, <laughs> and then was astonished by the actual financial performance. And it showed me what um, incentivized and talented management can really do inside a business. And, and in this company, you've got a CEO who doesn't take a salary, who's only gets paid in stock, and most importantly, in dividends. Yep. So you've got all the incentive and wonderful uh, technical nows. I mean, uh, these guys run on 10% gross margins, gross margins. Wow. I don't know how you make money out of yeah. that. They're looking at net profit margins of 2% or so, very thin. What they're really good at doing is turning boxes around. Yeah. And you look at the key metric here is the um, inventory turn or the asset turn, and that just keeps rising and rising. And that tells you when you have a thin margin business, you have to turn over boxes a lot. These guys are very good at it. They do it effectively. Um, I don't quite understand how they managed to perform so well, yes. I must say. And that's what's kept us out of the stock. I don't, right. can't see the secret sauce. But I think the secret sauce is actually just great managers and great It's just yeah, time. Yeah. You just look at the amount, <laughs> how long. I mean, yeah, like, a founder I that knows a business. Yeah, yeah completely agree. Exactly right. I, I struggle to, I struggle to yeah. work out what is so good about it. Yeah. But it, the thing is, you just look at the numbers and go, they just keep doing yeah, it. Yeah. And the, but they run with really high working capital, high yeah. levels of debt. They effectively outsource. They're, they're a service mm-hmm. that outsources debt and working capital for other companies. So there's a lot of inherent right. risk built up. In well, this that's business. the problem. There's so much things that can blow up. Yeah, but they so just never blow. seem yeah. to blow <laughs> they up. Don't. Well, even in right. a pandemic. A hold for me. I think okay. you can. There's a chance yeah. to get it cheaper. All right. All right. Next one. Uh, AJ wants to be on Big Tin Can. Uh, AJ says, "Can you please ask the panel's view? Stock prices been trending downwards despite the company reiterating the top end of their revenue EBITDA guidance." Uh, mobility enterprise software business. Sell. Like that. So avoid big capital avoid. Don't right. like this business at all. Yeah. <laughs> we've done we've done um, we've done some work on this company. You, um, right. I'm, I won't spoil it here, but we've you can read it on the Intelligent Investor website. Oh, good. Um, but uh, it's it's incredibly salesy. The whole yeah. thing is dependent on Salesforce. It's an add-on to Salesforce. Um, I question how much value the product actually really adds. They make they're losing more money every year. Um, they're making more revenue, but it's costing them more money to, to collect right. that revenue. I, I, I don't okay, go on the Intelligent Investor website yeah. and you'll yeah. get the full it's, it's, a, it's a hot stock. It's, yeah. a, it's a hot stock that a lot of people pump and they love. And, usually, and the multiples are never that cheap. Yeah. And so you need to believe that they can keep executing at these kind of things and keep delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying out of pretty much all tech yeah. and definitely out of hot tech. Okay. This is a hot tech, so you don't want to be there at this point <laughs> in the cycle. All right. Okay, Lucas wants a view on TUA. Chewis, do you, do you yeah. pronounce Chewis. it? Yeah. Chewis? Yeah. Um, it actually came up last week with Gary Glover and Mark Morland, mm. uh, the panel there, because we had a viewer asking about TBG. TBG. Mm. And they both said, nah, not with TBG, with all the directors wanting to get out, management mm. turnover, <laughs> all of that sort of stuff. 
go TUA instead of mm. TPG because this is the Singapore company yeah. that um, that the drivers of of TPG. This is their business in Singapore. Yeah, be be careful about that. This is not TPG. When TPG started no. in Australia, they no. had a awful uh, monopolist in, yeah. in in Telstra and yeah. a handful of scrappy competitors to contend with. They had a big market and um, TO had a single-minded strategy to yep. build infrastructure, get customers onto it, scale beautifully. And everyone loved him. And everyone loved him. We all Great know what record. Now, well, now he left. But now to us is a completely different thing. You've got four savage, ruthless competitors in Singapore, right. all of them ultra competitive. They're not Telstra, they're not Telstra, they're high quality, good operators. And it's, you've got a small island with a small population, okay. and That's you've got a couple good. of scrappy right. resellers on but top of that. He's there. He's there. I don't know why he's there. He must see something that I don't. So we've run some numbers on this, okay? So um, to us needs 450,000 um, subscribers to turn a profit. That's before subtract uh, before you take into account of depreciation, interest, and tax. Oh. So far, they have about 10,000 subscribers. They were giving the product away oh. for free in their first six months, and they only had 400,000 subscribers. So oh. this is not an easy business. Okay. They don't even have a 5G license right. yet. This is a 4G business only. Look, I think the play here is it's they, ha they have built some interesting assets. And I think one of the incumbents who actually make money, they'll probably buy up um, to us um, for, for a song. Okay. And I think that's the exit strategy. I might be wrong, but I can't see a business case for okay. to us at all. Yeah, it's it's a crappy sector uh, for mm. a long time. And this is not a great uh, market to jump in. I've got a lot of my mates who work in the Asia-Pac region, especially in telco. Um, my background, and, and you know, this is not an easy market. It's, a, it's cut They're tough. Business. One yeah. Republic, you want to compete yeah, against them? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough market. Mm. So that's one thing. Two, I mean, you look at this, there's a, there's changes going through in the sector, especially in Australia. Yep. Now, Telstra is obviously going to go through this divestment phase, which I think is interesting. And I've been a bear on Telstra for a long time. We turned mm. bull, bullish around 270 odd. It's now, I think it's now headed to four bucks, and yep. that's the upside in Telstra. Yep. So, why would you take a better? We had Telstra with you two yeah. about six weeks ago, yeah. and you both turned yeah. Yeah, into yeah. Telstra. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and I, I've, I've turned from at two seventy five. I turned from five the CEO to by the stock. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, there's a big change. Well, was it was it just by the CEO? I think you said it's the worst run company on the Australian market. It was for a number of years. <laughs> for a number was. of years, it was. You know, there's a lot of dogs right. out there, and this was barking. Yeah. Uh, but look, they've turned it around. <laughs> this was their real strategy, and it actually is setting up well for them. So I'm interested. Actually, I want to know from Gurup what's happening to TPG because I'm looking at it going. I, yeah. I knew it'd come back. The numbers were pointing that it's coming back, but like. It looks cheap, but then I actually dig into the numbers and go, it's not cheap. It's yeah. still expensive. Uh, do we have time? But for everyone's this, leaving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we've also sold. We sold when TO left. And it was a tough decision, but I th I'm really glad we did. We took heck on TPG, lost money on it. But um, this, the investment case was always that you'd end up with these big fixed asset base that you can use TPG's strategy of just growing, just throwing customers at it. And you'd scale and, yeah. and turn an underutilized asset base in Vodafone into a profitable asset base. Yeah. But now you've got the Photophone guys in charge, TPG guys have yeah. all left. They don't really have the record of, of um, cramming customers onto infrastructure the way TPG does. Yeah. I don't know if they have the skills to do it. In the integration from the people I'm speaking to is not going all that pleasantly. It's much harder to do right. the mobile and broadband okay. integration. I think there's some, some problems happening. See, I'd still stay away. Correct me if I'm wrong. I yeah. thought everyone was thinking, oh, Vodafone, not very well run into TBG with TO, 
they'll get the most out of Vodafone. What's happened is T.O. and a lot of his directors and management have all gone. And so the Vodafone management has just almost reverse takeover. Look, I don't think Vodafone's that business. bad. The management actually is not that bad. Um, they've got, they, they, first of all, they just had, they were technically insolvent. They had too much debt and, um, and they had a big asset base which was underutilized. So they couldn't make any money. Yeah. And they, they don't have the marketing skills or the distribution skills. They had no enterprise distribution. Uh, TPG bought all those skills and a fresh balance sheet and they would have actually done okay, but something has gone wrong. Right, I, okay. I tell you, some, another thing to keep an eye on, yeah. uh, and always the trend kind of gets my attention, NBN. It's like a turkey that's cutting out cost, right? <laughs> They're firing people on Zoom. Yeah, They're right. really cutting down costs. This is generally what you do before a float. Yeah, that's true. And you're <laughs> fudging the cost base. And then right. what, what you do is you get rid of the full-time staff and you hire consultants because that's off your right. normal cost base. So you make your numbers look good. It looks like NBN is getting ready for a float because that will have an effect on what happens to the overall market. Right. I think what's happening with Telstra and NBN are going to be huge, and that'll set the scene for me. By the sound of it, you're saying don't get involved. Not yet. I'd no. be. I'm long Telstra. I'm happy with that. Oh, uh, but I want to see NBA, the rest of them like... look a bit dicey at the moment. Okay. With NBA. All right. Uh, something way less complicated, Gaurav, due yeah. to what's of you on the devs. Oh yes. The uh, yeah. homeware uh, business and sort of sewing and that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, sheets, retailer, pillowcases. Look, when this first came out, um, when this IPO'd, it came from a private equity firm. We were incredibly skeptical. Uh, lots of insider selling, yeah. EBIT uh, um, margins. We, we generally have a general rule at II when you have a, a retail with 15% EBITDA margins, it's something's being fudged or it's a cyclical high. Right. These guys have actually, and look, margins fell for a while, but I think they can actually maintain reasonably high margins. This is a really well-run retailer. Yep. And um, the numbers don't, suggest it's treated as such by the market. I'm a bit careful about about capitalizing all the revenue and margin growth that's come through over COVID. Yeah. I wouldn't buy this yet, but I this falls into the category now of the the, the rare good quality retailers we have on the ASX. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I keep an eye on this. I wouldn't buy yet, but um, keep an eye on it. Hold. Okay. It's actually very well run and it's a really nice little business model. It's okay. actually very similar to Dusk. In fact, yeah. Dusk and Adairs were paired together and sold as a bunch to the same PE firm, and the same uh-huh. PE firm has actually split them apart and listed both of them. Ah. There's a lot of similarities. You can see their hand at work in both yeah. companies. Duskers yeah. mm. done well for candles. Um, look, I'm not chasing any of the retail stocks. This is the time you don't go because everyone yeah. is looking at pumped up numbers from. Geez, a bit grumpy today. Yeah, yeah. No, but there's certain areas I think. <laughs> you haven't liked a, one. Yeah, uh, no yeah, actually, aristocrat on a pullback. Yeah. So that's sort of. <laughs> it's a, a tough market. It's a tough market. This is an interesting one. I actually, mm. I'm not. But Graham's right. You want to have a list that you want to go yes. to when retailers, because these are cyclical yeah, stocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're coming off cyclical pump. I mean, handouts to the galore. Right. So when that comes out, you mm. will have a shopping list. I mean, actually, so how much in cash are you? Um, no, actually, well, our models cater for everything. Uh, actually, cash holdings in our cash held actually dropped from 50 to 25 percent. Whoa, uh, about, 25, it's quite a lot still. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> we moved that we mm. oh, about a couple of months ago, um, end of April, yeah, from memory. Right. Um, and we're actually active, but um, most of us, it's a very sector selective because I think we're in a cycle where there are certain areas that are really good, mm. but most of it, it's just overpriced, right? Pump, okay. right? Um, in the retail sector, uh, Accent Group, 
Yeah, Top of the range, yep. Acelia. Levisa. Levisa. Acelia, get yeah. that out no, of there. No, no, but you've got to look at where the market is and where the macro is. Acelia is a very good, and it'll, I'll tell you one small one you should mm. keep an eye on, Pentel, mm. Pentel Group, PTL. Okay. It's a uh, smaller version of um, it's a Acelia. Manager, it's a fund manager, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I know, Pendle. Oh, Pentel. Pentel. PTL, oh, okay. PTL, have okay. a look at that one, cleaning. Okay. Um, it'll be in for a wow. long time. sounds exciting. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and then you've got... <laughs> Think, think of shaver shop like this, like those kind of guys who've executed really well in a bad macro. Right. These are the guys you want to keep an eye on. Yep. Right. And okay. and I think super super retail, great yep. manager. Yeah, agree right? with that. Great, yep. but yep. it's priced for that. And yep. this is in that category. I would add to say these are good stocks, but they're priced for being good stocks. Wait right. for the cyclical bashing when it comes off. These are the then ones you want to buy. All right. I would add Universal Stores. Yes. And Dusk Globe. also, and Globe of course, of course. Um, yeah. and then Dusk as well. That's yeah. in stocks. Yeah. You still yeah. like Globe? Yes, I Universal. do. Yeah. I think yeah. the underlying story we, is pretty good. We had yeah. Universal. It, yeah, I, I saw it pop up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really before. good quality and business. Yeah. I did try, try and Globe. Um, Globe takes a lot of work to uncover. It, yeah, yeah, Henry just Jennings. Looking at the numbers, and, I wouldn't have actually. That, like that's one of the things I'll love about coming in the show is because he'll come up with these random things that we don't look at. It won't yeah. come up in the numbers because it's too small. Mm. doesn't get into the thematics and then we learn right. and then we add that to our thematic cycle. So it's, it's good. All right. Well, here's a random one for you, Gaurav. Okay. What are your dead bonds of your Mercury NZ? Oh, yes. Uh, electricity company yeah. out, of, uh, out of New Zealand, uh, mm. mainly in renewable energies. This is a really difficult one. So New Zealand has three gen tailors, a generator and, and retailer. But they're very different from Origin and AGL because these guys um, generate in uh, large pools of, re of uh, renewable energy. Yep. So these guys own um, uh, thermo, um, what do you call it? Yeah. Therm um, geothermal. Geothermal, geothermal. geothermal power yeah, and yeah. hydropower. Um, and most of the other, the other two, there's this one, I think it's Genesis, they have some yeah. gas, but the other ones also have 100% mm -hmm. um, renewable um, asset bases. So that's really attractive. It means that um, all the problems we're having with wholesale power and the displacement of yep. expensive coal for, for zero cost renewables, that is not really happening in New Zealand. So profitability levels are still relatively high in New Zealand and, and wholesale energy markets actually held up reasonably well. But you've still got really competitive retail markets. And I, I'm just not sure these are as mm. good quality as the numbers suggest. The numbers actually look really good on this. But it's a ferociously competitive market. Yeah. There's lots it's of small. resellers now popping up. Um, it's reasonably cheap. It looks okay. Look, at, it's okay. But I still, it's, it's probably doesn't pass the quality you know, okay. cut for me. See how we look at everything relative. And for these ones, all the infrastructure type stocks, the relative valuation is priced in. Yep. So you're not buying a lot that doesn't, it's going to surprise. I think the real ones that potentially could surprise is the airports, If depending on, all the, I, I'd be saying, we got an election in September, October, right? Mm. And then once that's over, the government will open the borders mm. and airports will do better. So that's probably the infrastructure that's potentially could surprise on the upside, where most of the others, they're priced for it. Mm. And you're going to have reflation cycle, cost of debt's going up. Most of these guys will struggle. I just don't know if these guys are going to be get that attraction that they're used to. Um, so we're staying out of property. We're staying out of infrastructure in the short, yeah. in the short to medium term and see how the cycle plays out because I don't think that's going to improve that much. Okay. Because I think there are sectors that are going to give you massive returns in the reflation cycle. These are not those ones. Okay. All right. Let's recap the final five stocks. We'll save time by saying Nathan doesn't like any of them. <laughs> um, so we'll just do Gorab. Um, Dicker Data a hold, Big Ten can a sell, Chew us a no, 
Adair's a hold and Mercury MZ a no. That's a good one. Now, uh, intelligent investor, um, go for that report. Big tin can. Big, big, what else have you got? Oh, we've done heaps of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Go to the website. Yeah. Can anyone follow you on yeah, look, jump into deepdataanalytics.com.au. You can yeah. register for a free end of day report. Comes out Sunset Strip. We right. educate people through that. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, run through that. Yeah. And, uh, if you're, you know, we provide a lot of tools for your DIY Excellent. investment. Excellent. All right. Thank you, team. Appreciate it. Good Thanks, to see guys. you. Uh, that's yeah. our show for today. If you've got any stocks you want us to take a look at, uh, put them in an email, the call at oddsbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Uh, all of the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, our end of day wrap up here on Osbiz. Uh, you can subscribe to the newsletter, you get Scuddy's view, you get links to the Closer Business podcast and also links to the most popular interviews on the platform during the day, osbiz.co forward slash the COB. Startup Daily Show this afternoon at 2pm. Uh, it talks about startup scale-ups looking for money, talking to venture capitalists. Uh, today they're joined by Paul Ronalds from the uh, Save the Children as a Charity makes its first impact investment. Uh, that's coming up on the Startup Daily Show at 2pm Eastern. So a lot happening on Osbiz. Back after the break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.